Hello, I am Dr. Raz from Scowl Fight for Your Rights. Are you looking to conquer the world, but help people while you do it? May I present the solution to all of your problems? The Potaser! Yes, the Potaser is my own personal invention for conquering the world with easy home-based electric goods. For just one complicated payment of two medium payments of three easy payments of 1999, you can donate through Fractured Atlas to Scowl, Ladermageddon, and get your own, very own, very, very own Potaser to Conquering the World. All donations that you make through Fractured Atlas are tax deductible. So if you are sick of dodging your taxes, you can just deduct them instead. Once again, you can buy the Potaser for one complicated payment of two medium payments of three easy payments of 1999. And help Scowl, Leathermageddon, become reality! Please be advised for your own personal safety. Please do not buy the Potaser. Simply donate through Fractured Atlas. Do not, I repeat, do not buy the Potaser. The Potaser is not meant to be cooked, eaten, consumed in any way, shape, or form. It is not meant to be utilized in any way whatsoever and cannot be verified as safe by any American administration. Please, please, please do not buy the Potaser. Simply send any donations through Fractured Atlas to Scowl, Ladermageddon. Hi, my name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I am the creator and producer of the Is It Transphobic podcast. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns, and today I'm being joined by... Jonathan Alexandratos, they, them, uh, action figure expert, uh, self-appointed, uh, teacher, playwright, uh, toy collector, etc. Yay! So I'm really excited to talk to you about this, because we, we talk a lot about specific media on the podcast, uh, and now we've been looking at a lot more just sort of like broader issue things. Today we're going to talk about toys. Yay! <laughs> yeah, and specifically, because it's around the holiday season, we're going to talk about like A, some great holiday shopping, some great toys that are out here for trans, non-binary youth, as well as adults who like to play with toys, because let's face it, toys are fun. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But we're also going to chat a little bit about, and this is a big topic, so we're probably not going to hit everything, but just to give a, a little idea of why the toy aisle had become segregated to just pink and blue. Right. And, and of course, we'll start with the apology that we won't get to your favorite. Yeah. Whatever your favorite toy is. I won't get to it because I know that in the past <laughs> there's always been that thing of like, but you didn't mention draw. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Um, so I think that this conversation has to um, actually really go back pretty far. But mm. the good thing is we can jump around a little bit. So let's go back to paper dolls. Mm -hmm. So paper dolls uh, used to be pretty much the exclusive way that you played with dolls that resembled adults um or or older kids in other words just not baby dolls right mm. um so paper dolls have been huge uh since really the 1800s but the paper dolls in question that i want to talk about are really the ones that were popular in the 1920s um so at that time you could get paper dolls um just in books they would often come uh, very gender binary, of course. Uh, mm. You would get a sort of coded female one and a coded male one. And then in the book would be many, many, many different kinds of clothes that you could get to dress up your doll. Mm. Um, the thing about that 
that is interesting is most of the people getting these dolls uh, were girls uh, or, or young women. They were marketed as such. But um, a lot of the designers behind the paper dolls themselves uh, were male. Uh, and a lot of queer men have sort of since said, hey, it was actually getting these paper dolls and playing with clothing and costuming in that way that sort of made me at least quasi aware of my own queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually also kind of speaks to an era in which gender segregation was not so much a thing. Mm. Uh, baby clothes were pretty uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look up a picture of a baby Franklin Delano Roosevelt and he's wearing what looks like a dress because mm-hmm. they all wore dresses because that was the easiest thing for a baby to wear regardless of gender. Yeah, and so it was very uniform also because no matter what, when you have a baby, it could be passed down to the next baby, yeah. regardless of gender. Yeah, so, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the question is, when did that attitude fall out of fashion, and when did we start to um, start to segregate pretty judiciously? Um, the answer to that is really after World War II. And some people have made the argument that it was purely capitalistic, that people, companies, learned that you could make a whole lot more money um, by making a girl's thing. So you get all the girls to buy it. And you can get a whole lot of money by making a boy's thing. So you get all the boys to buy it. Um, I think that's one reason, but I don't think Mm. that's the only reason. Because during this time, we can also track an extreme rise in homophobia, Mm. uh, a deep concern that your child from birth would be gay. Mm. Uh, and, And the way that you fought that was by making sure that your child knew who the quote-unquote opposite sex was and that they could identify that sex and then somehow develop an interest uh, in them. Um, So because of that, uh, girls' baby clothing, boys' baby clothing became really, really... um, uh, It it sold. It sold very well. Mm. Um, Of course, with that, what else serves to identify a young child uh, by gender, well, toys could do it. Uh, Mm. It was around this time that Ruth Handler and her husband Elliot had just visited Germany, uh, and in Germany they picked up what was called a Build Lily doll, which was uh, a doll of an adult comic book strip character uh, in Germany, and they said, hey, uh, if we just shave off the nipples, this could be a great kid's toy. (laughs) So they brought it back to the States, Mm. and they did just that, and they made the first Barbie uh, doll. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so Ruth Handler was very uh, clear in saying she wanted her daughter, named Barbara, to have a, uh, a doll that was not made out of paper. Um, and, and that was oh. sort of her impetus for creating Barbie, that uh, she saw how her daughter liked playing dress up with the paper dolls, but she wanted something sturdier. She wanted something more long lasting. So uh, from that, Barbie was born. Um Barbie sold incredibly well, as, as we know. I mean, Mattel is, is a huge toy company, which yeah. is the company that, that started that. Um, and so another company wanted in on, on the money, uh, and that company was Hasbro. The Hasenfeld brothers um, basically said, hey, this is doing really well in, in the girls' market, but there's no way boys will ever play with dolls uh, in, that, in that sense. Um, Surely plenty of boys wanted to, uh, but given the the cultural temperament of the time, 
uh, parents were, again, still very invested in making sure their boys had the toy guns or mm -hmm. uh, the football or the, you know, whatever else you would traditionally associate with, with masculinity. Yeah, whatever you're going to see on a cake for a gender reveal party. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, what Hasbro did was they created a, uh, a doll. I mean, it is a doll, uh, slightly taller than, than a Barbie. And uh, they made it uh, a military uh, fighting uh, guy, mm -hmm. uh, actually a set of guys. Mm -hmm. uh, but they were very careful not to market it as a doll. They marketed it instead as an action figure, yeah. um, the action marine, the, the mm -hmm. action pilot. Uh, these all. And his comprised. name was Air Force Aaron, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Naval was, Nick, was it? <laughs> there was Air Force Aaron. <laughs> there was uh, NB the Navy guy. Uh, there was... Uh, um, no, it was GI Joe. Yeah, it was all GI Joe, and and uh, and and that did the trick. Uh, that that really uh, sold extremely well too. And uh, it's important to say, uh, at this time, the power of licensing was just starting mm. to get known as well. So companies like Marks, uh, which made small plastic figurines, think um, think about like your green army men, and then maybe make them a little bigger by like three or four times. Uh, that's kind of what Marks made. Marks discovered that they can actually make a ton of money by making those figurines for comic book uh, heroes. So they started mm -hmm. licensing those properties. And uh, then we get into the 70s where licensing is the thing. Everybody's licensing mm -hmm. everything. Because um, that was the whole reason that a lot of the Star Wars toys are really not terribly great because they were able to be licensed really quickly for a really good price but yeah. i mean correct me if i'm wrong i just saw the toys that made us so i might be like, yeah no i you're yeah. you're right mm -hmm. and well with star wars star wars is an interesting case because mm -hmm. uh at first nobody wanted them and mm -hmm. then kenner decided okay we'll we'll roll the dice and try it they did and then they sold so well that everybody was just like oh yes give me any star wars thing that you have mm. um but uh, other companies too. I mean, Mego, for instance, Mego mm. uh, made a series of superheroes: uh, Star Trek, uh, Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes actually being the first real sort of licensed film property uh, that got made into into toys in the seventies. Um, and and they were uh, Marty Abrams, his his company Mego did did really well with those, and, mm. and they just had a comeback doing that. So this is all to say, though, that that licensing um, itself isn't necessarily gender segregated, but mm. the products did kind of still turn into like, oh, yeah, that Star Wars thing is for boys, right? Yeah, well, even even these days, it's very hard to find. Like, I know uh, a lot of parents that I've talked to and a lot of things that I've read is like, oh, you know, on the Marvel T-shirts, you don't see Black Widow. And like, that's changing. But like for the longest time up to even about a year ago, it's like, well, why is Black Widow not on this? Why is Captain Marvel not on this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my, my mm -hmm. friend Chris Bell has a, a great TED talk about that where he basically talks about the experience of trying to find for his daughter uh, a Marvel uh, Marvel merchandise and Star Wars merchandise that showcases the female characters in the in the movies, mm. and it just wasn't there. And you're right; it is changing now, but um, mm. it it wasn't the case for such a long time, uh, too long certainly. Mm. Um, so it it's it, the way I would basically sort of track gender segregation is we go from no segregation really because it's all kid stuff to sort of this homophobic scare that kind of takes over the country in which we're segregating everything because, mm -hmm. you know, Johnny needs to know who the Sallys are. 
<laughs> Sorry. It's all good. Honestly, the, we, uh, we're, we're using some new equipment. It's amazing equipment, but that's why you're hearing a lot of uh, things being put down because I'm drinking tea yeah. and it's picking up all of the me putting the teacup down. So. And, and that sound you just heard was Jonathan getting so excited that they flailed <laughs> and uh, hit the microphone. Um, so to go back, right. uh, gender segregation just gets me so amped up um, mm. in a bad way. Uh, so... <laughs> We get um, we get the homophobic sort of scare that sweeps the nation, and then we start segregating everything because, you know, like a sort of jokingly saying, Johnny needs to know who Sally is, and Sally yeah. needs to know who Johnny is. And uh, out of that springs this extreme profitability of gender segregation. Today is interesting because it feels like now um, there's more and more profitability in actually not segregating. Um, companies mm. are getting very slow to learn that. But I think that the more they take risks, the more they actually discover uh, that to be true. For example, uh, Hasbro um, has their Forces of Destiny dolls, which are Star Wars dolls, but they're specifically sort of geared more towards girls. Mm. And of course, I, I, I want to say, you know, as we talk about being marketed to girls and marketed to boys and marketed to anybody, um, that logic is inherently flawed because you're mm. always going to find. Uh, people of really any gender that are simply going to love uh, a toy. Um, mm -hmm. And so when I say marketed to girls, what I what I basically am implying is, okay, it's, you know, roughly the size of a Barbie. Uh, it has big eyes. Uh, it has sort of a, a heart-shaped face. You know, it's, it's a little cute here. Um, mm -hmm. But that's not at all necessarily to say that's what girls want or mm -hmm. uh, that's what every girl wants or um, or anything like that. Um, that's just sort of uh, how these companies are, are kind of thinking. Um, you know, it's interesting, just, just to go back a few years into the mm -hmm. early uh, 2000s, uh, Bratz dolls uh, created a huge controversy around this because Barbie um, really thought they had the market cornered. They, they really thought that they knew what girls wanted. Uh, and they, they, they really thought that, uh, I'm sorry if I said Hasbro, I, I meant to say Mattel because Mattel makes uh, uh, Barbie. Um, Mattel really thought they had the girls market cornered because they were like, well, we make Barbie and um, Barbie looks like this and that's what girls want. Well, then mm. this company, uh, MGA, comes up out of nowhere with Bratz dolls. Mm. And Bratz dolls do not look at all like Barbies. Bratz no. dolls have bigger heads and you, you've mm -hmm. seen them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was this, there was this panic in, in Mattel land because so many parents were buying up um, Bratz dolls because that's what their kids mm. wanted. And it, it, to me, when I think about that moment in toy history, I think about how, how little the most established company really understood about the changing wants of, of young girls. And again, when I say young girls buying these dolls, I, of course, am including uh, young boys and young non-binary people mm -hmm. uh, in that category because, of course, um, you know, in the mm. market, anybody will buy these. But at the same time, the Mattel company, and correct me if I'm wrong, is mostly trying to market to a specific binary market, and that binary market is specifically to young girls. Correct. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, so if that can be true then the one thing that the toy industry kind of teaches us again and again is the market is going to do whatever it wants, and it's fairly unpredictable. Um, you can mm. try to predict its trends, and you can hope that what worked last year is going to work again this year, but there's no guarantee of that. And Bratz was, I think, a really good um, indicator that mm. that's uh, true. 
Um, there are other similar um, things throughout toy history that also point to that that really don't connect so much to gender segregation, but um, they always sort of reflect uh, the fact that um, kids sort of go for what kids go for. You know, why, uh, why wasn't there as huge a craze over dinosaurs that had metallic armor in the late 80s? I don't know. That sounds pretty awesome to me. Yeah, uh, I would have I been interested in that. <laughs> but Dino Riders had a lot of problems yeah. uh, selling mm-hmm. their, their products, uh, even though now they're highly sought after by collectors. So, uh, mm. you, you know, you put in the research and you just don't know. Um, that, I think, can certainly go for gender as well. Mm. And I, I'm very curious, looking to the future, um, what what the changing demographics of kids are, are going to want. Mm. Um because I, I feel like just talking to my own students, uh, their awareness of gender uh, is radically more different than mine was mm. uh, as a child. Uh, I think theirs is a lot healthier. Uh, I think that it's a lot more complete and a lot more inclusive. And mm. I, I don't think right now they're seeing that reflected in too many of their products. Mm. Well, I know also when I was doing research for this, I was looking into, I remembered, because I completely forgot maybe about two years ago, Target made the statement that they were going to not gender segregate their toy aisles. Yeah. It was just going to put toys in one place and they're not going to like put colors everywhere and be like, oh, you know, like, you know that you're in the right place if you're in the pink aisle. You know you're right in the, the right place if you're in the blue aisle. Yeah. Um, and they were met with a lot of uh, a lot of criticism on that. Yeah, well, um, that's because the internet's a horrible place. That's that's um, very true. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and uh, that what you say is is true. And and I think people fail to to realize that the people freaking out about it, and the people that were congratulating Target, mm-hmm. I think both forgot that like actually the change was not that significant. Yeah. All they did was remove any sign that says girls' toys and any sign that says boys' toys. The placement yeah. of the toys themselves changed virtually not at all yeah so there was still a de facto girls aisle and a de facto boys aisle Mm. we just had to hope that sort of society will kind of get the hint that like you know because target like i was the i'm there all the time and Mm -hmm. i mean they still have a men's deodorant section and a women's deodorant section so it's kind of like um, Target, you know, what's going on over there? Like, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so, so of course I, mm-hmm. I don't mean to poo poo any positive step. I think that, mm-hmm. um, that is necessary if we're going to get to a place where I can walk into an aisle and see, uh, Barbie's stuffed animals and transformers in the same aisle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally don't know why that doesn't necessarily exist. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't see that as a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, there was tons of, tons of uproar about mm-hmm. that, uh, in, in terrible ways. Yeah. I guess, um, like what are, because it sounds like it's still, and like you say, all they did was just sort of remove the color, remove the like specific stated, this is for boys, this is for girls. Have like, do you think that there is a better next step after that? Because it sounds like it's still like slow progress and that's hey, you know, progress is slow. Mm-hmm. But like, what do you think the next step would be for that to show progress? I think it has to be a a sort of several pronged attack. Um, Something has to happen in the buying public first Mm -hmm. um, to basically prove to somebody like Mattel that 
what they are considering risks, which would be to make trans positive toys or to make non-binary positive toys or anything that that would involve some blending of of genders um, is profitable. Mm. Um, we have a huge problem. I see it all the time in the various action figure collector groups that I'm in uh, where I'll give you a specific example. Uh, when the uh, the first appearance of the, the Gal Gadot uh, Wonder Woman was in the Batman v Superman movie mm-hmm. and the toy that came out for her in that movie did not really resemble her that well. Mm. Um, and I can't tell you how many times uh, in these action figure groups that the comment came up of, oh, she looks like a man. Right. That mm-hmm. was the that was the criticism. Mm. And we got to get away from that. Like because mm. because it doesn't look like Gal Gadot is a fair mm. criticism. I mean, that's that's what yeah. the toy was sort of wanting to be. Mm-hmm. But to, to bring it there, like yeah. to bring it to a place of like, oh, I can't have this because it doesn't resemble the traditional construct of femininity in my mind. Mm. That to me is is not healthy. Mm. Yeah, so it's it's a combination of both the uh, people who are buying toys, both as uh, collectors as well as just consumers, finding some way to... And again, like, capitalism is garbage, but at the same time, <laughs> like, if we're looking at a capitalistic thing like a toy company, it's like, yeah, the, the dollars speak, and also the specifically, like, what they're hearing and what they're uh, being communicated. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in a way, mm-hmm. and it's, it's almost heartbreaking to sort of view it this way, but... Um, uh, being being trans positive and, and being just gender positive in general has to be as profitable as homophobia was in the 1950s. Yeah, and that feels like a tall order um, because mm-hmm. in many circles, of course, homophobia mm-hmm. is still quite profitable, as as we learn from all of the political discourse that we get fed day in yep. day out. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do applaud. Um, certain companies and we can talk about this more specifically certain mm-hmm. companies for taking the lead on this and saying you know we're gonna put this product out there and uh you know you haven't necessarily told us that you want it but we're gonna put it out there in the hopes that maybe it makes a positive change the other thing um that i would say that that i hope um continues to be positive is stuff like etsy and ebay and places where you can find people sort of selling customized uh mm-hmm. work um, if that keeps taking off uh, through 3D printing and through these sites that sell um, their work, then companies do pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really believe that DC Superhero Girls, which was Mattel's line of DC yeah. uh, you know, superheroes, mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that that came on the back of the success of I Am, Ent- I Am Elemental action figures, which started as a Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, it almost, it lines up almost perfectly. Like, you look at that first mm-hmm. wave of I Am Elemental figures, you look at how well that did, mm-hmm. and you look at the amount of time it then took DC to put out their product. Uh, okay, maybe you can make the argument that they had it in the works before, but I think it lines up just too coincidentally for me uh, to suggest that, you know, Mattel probably said, hey, there's this thing on Kickstarter that's kind of showing us that the public is, is buying female-positive toys. Um, what can we do to get in on that? Mm. And I think that they did that with DC Superhero Girls and then continued to do so um, with, mm. with other products. So I do think they pay attention to that. 
Um, I, I do think they pay attention to stuff like Twitter and, and what, what fans are wanting. Cause basically fans are just telling them all the time, we will put our money into this. So the more they tell Mattel or Hasbro or whoever, we'll put our money into this, the more they'll make those products. Yeah. Cause when it comes down to it, if, uh, if the toys aren't selling, they're not going to make the toys. Yeah. I, I hate like, and correct me if I'm wrong or if that's like just too, uh, uh what do you recall? Like a uh, reductive, but. No, I'd be hard-pressed to find a toy company that had a board meeting, and at the meeting they said, hey, we got this idea. We know it's not going to sell. We've already produced maybe a couple of them. They didn't sell. We lost a ton of money, but guess what? We're going to do a third wave. You know, I don't (laughs) think that has Mm -hmm. ever happened. Uh, You know, that sort of ideology um, doesn't really touch the the big toy companies. Mm. Um, I think that a lot of really good ideas – have gotten canceled because of that. Um, you know, one thing that I, I think of as what what I hope is going to start to tear this down is the Mattel Changeable World dolls, mm. um, which I, I love uh, for what they, they represent. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Mattel created just this year in 2019 a line of dolls that are meant to be gender neutral. So the idea is that you get the doll, the doll comes with different kinds of hair, comes with different outfits, um, and you can make this doll into really any anyone that you want, um, and that includes really any any gender. Like it doesn't necessarily even say uh, this is a boy or a girl. It just says this is whoever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, where could we go from there? Well, maybe you know include some language about being non-binary and maybe include some things. But you know what? Like for a first step. Uh, that's great. I, mm. I think, you know, I, I think it's really, really cool. I mean, could the dolls use a little work? Well, uh, some people <laughs> have been saying that uh, it's tough to get the longer hair on over the shorter hair and the wigs that they come with. And I get mm. that because I have one myself and I mm. can attest that is hard. But these are technical things that they can certainly mm. work out. Um, it, it's it's just cool to see that on the market. Mm. So, um Again, though, I, I mean, there's that little voice in the back of my brain that's like, if people don't buy this, it will go away. Uh, oh. and, and I don't want that to go away. Like, I think that's such a great way to start to conceptualize toys and action figures is like, hey, you know, at the end of the day, none of these have any concept of gender. They're plastic, right? Yeah. They are what we say they are. Mm. So if we start to surround them in more gender inclusive language, the more they will be that. Hmm. yeah so like i said there's no way that we were going to be able to tackle this entire subject in just like the short amount of time plus this is a dual episode (laughs) so we're going to take an ad break now that we've talked about how much we hate capitalism (laughs) we hate it but we need it uh for this society we live in a society damn you joker uh so (laughs) that said uh we're going to take a quick ad break and then we're going to talk about some specific toys uh this season because it's the holiday season I don't know what song that was. Here's an ad break. (laughs) Welcome back. So we are here. We're talking about toys for this season. Uh, We are also eating some chocolate. So you might hear some chocolate eating noises once again. Yeah, just some some lovely ASMR from the IIT crowd. Um, (laughs) Put this on as you're going to sleep and you'll never regret it. Yes. (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, we're eating some chocolates from Sweet Steam. They are a uh, confectionery consortium, uh, and they are wonderful. We see them at a lot of conventions, and they just sell chocolates that are shaped like steampunky things, and they're very good chocolate. I can uh, verify. They are very good. So now that we've talked about a different company, let's talk about some, <laughs> uh, some toys that are coming out that are, uh, first off, what is the hot toy this season, just for anyone, for yeah. everyone? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I would say that there are a couple of things that tend to sell very well. Um, for younger kids, the uh, the, the pop surprise figures, uh, LOL pop surprise figures, uh, always do very well. They were a hot toy last season, and it looks like they're primed to be a hot toy again this season. Um, it's interesting because for the past couple of years, we really haven't seen the kinds of toys like Tickle Me Elmo, where parents are trampling each other to try to get them. Um, mm-hmm. The last thing to do that really was the Hatchimals probably a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, MGA, MGA has uh, kind of had the, the hot toy uh, success with, with Pop Surprise. And um, I think that's probably going to be what most kids want. And it, a lot of the parents that I've talked to have basically said that, yeah, I'll get my kid the, the pop surprise they want. And that'll kind of be that. Um, I'm like, okay, cool. Um, the, the, this, the trend now in toys, uh, especially for younger demographics, is in the uh, experience of opening them. Uh, that has become kind of the, the centerpiece of, uh, the toy experience. So when I was a kid, and even now, the fun that I take in toys is um, putting them into the worlds that I, I create. Opening them is kind of a, a, a unfortunately necessary step, just to getting them into uh, the, the play space that I want. Um, a lot of toys now work differently. Um, it's the opening that is is the fun. And once you get the thing open and you see what's in the blind bag, and maybe you put the thing together and you figure out if it's one of the rare ones or not, then it can kind of go under the couch. Mm. And toys that kind of offer that are doing really well. And in a way, it's kind of a genius uh, marketing model because you're basically saying, well, your experience will last about 15 seconds because that's how long it'll take you to open that. And then you're going to want another one. So you're going to be begging mom or dad or whoever to take you back to the store to get another of these toys so you can have that experience all over again. Um, that leads to households that have hundreds of these toys um, because they're, they're so collectible like that. Um, so when we look at hot toys, you want to look at anything that, that can do that. Um, on the more adult side, Funko Pops tend to do pretty well, so mm-hmm. those are uh, ramping up for the holidays to the extent that they are a toy. I mean, they're, they're certainly collectibles, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, I know some kids that play with them, but largely it's to the adult market, so mm-hmm. um, so those are doing pretty, pretty well. Um, outside of that, um, there isn't uh, a ton in the traditional toy world. There are obviously popular video games and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about specifically is toys for trans and non-binary folks. Uh, This can be toys for trans and non-binary kids or adults or whoever likes to play with toys. What are some things that you've seen either popularly or things that people should look into for their trans or non-binary potential person they're buying for? (laughs) Whatever word that is. (laughs) Right, exactly. They're a collector. Mm. Um, I love this question because uh, for me as a non-binary person, I I can tell you that I am at my most gender euphoric in toy stores. Um, I know for a lot of folks uh, that is felt 
perhaps in clothing, um, perhaps in, in other spaces um, where they, they really feel like they can express themselves. For me, it's in the toy um, uh, the, the toy area, the toy aisle. Uh, I would say toy store, but Toys R Us is sadly no longer with us, except in Houston and Paramus, I know. Yeah. Um, they didn't want to grow up, they but did. they had to. <laughs> They did. They did. <laughs> I'm and sorry. That's a bad joke. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sad. <laughs> Jeffrey is, is crying somewhere. Um, so so um, w- with that in mind, um, for me, I, I visualize the answer to your question in a couple of ways. Mm. Um, there is the, um, the traditional answer of just like, okay, you know, here are the toys. And uh, I think these are, these are really um, trans positive, non-binary positive. Um, and I'll definitely talk about that. But I also um, am just remembering the first time that I, I gave myself permission to walk into the Barbie aisle of the store, mm-hmm. uh, right? So, so as a child, as a teenager, even into early adulthood, um, I identified as a man. That's, that's, I was assigned male at birth. Um, and uh, as a result of, of the masculinity that I knew, uh, going into the, the Barbie aisle or the girls section was a, a huge taboo, big no-no, right? Um, but I knew I wanted to. So going going there, just simply being in that space um, made me feel so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I broke out into a cold sweat while I was there because I thought I was committing a crime. Mm-hmm. But um, but just by being there was, was so great. So I, I guess this memory is coming to mind because – it, it makes me want to say um, whatever toys people might have told you that you couldn't have as a kid for, for whatever gender reasons that were invented, um, go there, right? Mm. Go, go explore that thing um, and, and give it a shot because I think there's a lot of euphoria that can be found just in those items. So um, hopefully, you know, you can sort of visualize something that maybe you, you had a leaning towards and somebody said, oh, so-and-sos don't play with that. Girls don't play yeah. with that. Boys don't play with that. Whatever. Um, and you can – this is me giving you the permission to say, hey, you you, you can play with that. You, you, you totally can. Yeah. Um, so to your point, though, about, about mm-hmm. more concrete toys that you can actually go out and buy mm-hmm. – um, the changeable world dolls, I think, are magnificent, mm. and I, I talked about that earlier, so I won't really um, rehash it. But um, those are are awesome uh, dolls, um, and I think that they really do stand for uh, non-binary empowerment, trans empowerment, um, in in ways that other dolls haven't. Um, because before changeable world, it was customization. You know, you can get a Ken doll, you can get the dress and you can put the Ken doll mm-hmm. in dress, but that's really not the same thing as no. being <laughs> trans or, uh, having a doll that mm-hmm. actually acknowledges that this is not a, a guy in a dress. This yeah. is a, an identity. I was going to say, it's like the, the nineties sitcom version of trying to figure out how to play with your toy. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's a great that's a great way to put it. Yeah, uh, we um so this episode is gonna come out earlier than the episodes that we recorded earlier today, <laughs> but we just did an episode of uh, Due South. Oh my and god. It was like I'd never <laughs> seen I didn't know anything about this show, but it has like one of the, the episodes the episode that I saw was the episode where he is wearing a dress and he's undercover. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um but yeah. So 
listen for that is a transphobic audience. But go on. <laughs> uh, seriously, yeah. yeah. Uh, to the point about other um, trans-positive toys, um, I, I can't necessarily speak to the availability of this now, but I know that in 2017, uh, there was a Canadian company called Gender Creative Kids Canada that mm. created Sam the Nesting Doll. And Sam the Nesting Doll basically is supposed to tell the story of a gender-questioning and gender-exploring individual, uh, specifically designed for kids. So the toy itself is designed to um, have conversations surrounding gender identity and gender uh, with children. And, I mean, the, the nesting doll is, is darn cute. Uh, so <laughs> I, I certainly would recommend that for anybody who might be a parent looking for ways to explain to their child um, this, uh, you know, this being sort of gender and the gender experiences of many, many, many people. Mm. Um, another one that I, I, again, really can't speak to the availability of, but hopefully um, it's something that can be found, is the Jazz Jennings doll. That does exist. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. The uh, Tonner Doll Company, which is located uh, right here in New York, uh, made a doll of Jazz Jennings, uh, fully licensed and everything, uh, the, the transgender um I guess reality show star um, and uh, an activist in her own right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find those uh, out there as well. Um, those are three products that specifically um, are meant to represent trans and non-binary identities. Um, I I know that there are also other characters that you can sort of rope into the conversation. For example, mm-hmm. um, right now in the Transformers comic books. Um, there are um, there are storylines being explored of transgender identities in the Transformers world. Really? Yeah. Which is yeah. interesting on a lot of levels. Yeah. Like, so specifically, I just did a show that um, I'll just keep quiet about. But uh, there's a whole moment in the show where the Transformers theme is used as a um, as a, a derogatory way to refer to a trans person. And so it really? is a thing like I remember even then, like I remember I had a, a bit in my stand up comedy where I was trying to uh, talk about like, oh, you know, I said to my dad, like, oh, yeah, hey, I'm uh, I'm I, I'm transgender. And he says to me, like, oh, what do you change into? Like, what, what? No, that's an inappropriate question. Are you an Autobot or a Decepticon? Ooh. It's just like, yeah, it was just like, no, dad, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's so interesting because, mm. first of all, I mean, that experience is <laughs> sad, actually. Like, I, yeah. I, 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 I mm-hmm. wouldn't want anyone to, to say that to me. That, mm-hmm. that being said, um, I was thinking about it the other day, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about how in my life, the toys that I've always clung to have been mm-hmm. the ones that were able to transform in some way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I I wonder now, as an adult, if I don't see that as a bit of a metaphor for at least mm. what I wanted to do mm. um, on some level. I wanted to transform. Hey, if I could transform into a plane, that would be great. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, you know, in other mm-hmm. ways, uh, just as good. Um, so, mm-hmm. so in the comics now, they are leaning into that a bit like it's yeah. certainly not perfect and i do not think it is transgender writers writing those mm. storylines which is unfortunate um but 
I bring it up just because every single Transformer character has an action figure. So mm-hmm. it is totally possible to read one of those comics. I think they're in the Lost Light uh, arc mm-hmm. and uh, then go out and get the action figures. And sort of to you in your play mm-hmm. world, you sort of can say, hey, this is something that has now participated mm-hmm. in this transgender story um, arc. I I love the, the Transformers. I, I bought a T-shirt of uh, from the Bumblebee movie. And I, I'm telling you, Ashley, like, I really think somebody on the design side had to either be transgender or, or just really be passionate about this. Because you look at it, the shirt itself is supposed to be kind of a, a mock-up of the Back to the Future movie poster, you know, where it's mm-hmm. got Bumblebee transformed and Bumblebee as a card. But <laughs> in the background mm-hmm. um, is, like, the, the light beams coming up from Bumblebee. And it's seriously the colors of the transgender flag. Like... And mm. I saw that in in a hot topic, and I was like, I, I want that. Like, it's like, well, I need uh, this. And, yeah. and like mm-hmm. in big letters on top, it mm-hmm. says trans, and then in little letters, it says formers. So I'm just kind of like, is it? And this is officially licensed movie. Yes. Stuff? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I said. Yeah. I was like, I was totally mm-hmm. shocked by it, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know if mm-hmm. anybody else is going to see a sort of trans or trans positive message in this, mm. but I do, and I love Bumblebee. Mm. Bumblebee is one of the greatest movies ever made. Mm. Oh my god, Bumblebee! <laughs> um, so of course mm. I had to get that. Um, but yeah, hmm. uh, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, toys. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk about also uh, Legos because I know yeah. Legos traditionally have been very open and very like specific about these are for everyone. Yep. Here are all our old school ads that show everyone of every type playing. And actually, before we get to Legos, I do want to I do want to clarify. My father never actually said that stuff to me. That was just part of my stand-up act. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Admittedly, it's not in my act anymore. Um, But yeah, so with with Legos, because I know that they introduced the, like, uh, more, what, like, kind of using a lot of the language that we've been using for the talk, like, marketed towards girls. Like, the more pastels, pinks, Right, Lego friends and Lego elves, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm curious about how Lego, who has been traditionally a very, like, we are for every gender, we are for everyone, and then to make toys that are like, well, these ones are kind of for a specific type of person. Like, yeah. yeah, It it feels a little like Bic for her. Remember those pins (laughs) in the 90s? That were just Bic ballpoint pens, and Mm -hmm. they just had a pink cap, and they were Bic for her. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's a little, it's a little (laughs) insane. Um, Mm. You know, it's it's a bit of a divisive issue, and and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sort of of two minds on it, because uh, on the one hand, Mm. there's really no reason that Legos need to be gender specific at all yeah i mean that messaging from the early days of like these are bricks people like you can be of any gender and play with them um and that's the joy of it and i'm totally on board with that a hundred percent um the other side of me that sees a little differently is the side of me that has felt the liberation of being in a masculine body playing with something marketed towards girls Mm. um for me there has been a little bit of validation in that. Um, and so is it worth necessarily preserving things like Lego friends? I don't think, I don't think based on the last numbers that I saw Lego friends is actually selling that well. Lego mm. elves got 
uh, shelved, I believe, because it wasn't doing as well. What is Lego Elves? So Lego Elves um, <laughs> yeah. were basically... I'm, I, I introduced a whole thing, and <laughs> yep, I, I should have known it was like a whole other rabbit hole. a whole hole, thing, yeah. yeah. Like, Lego, so Lego Elves are basically... Is it just Lord of the Rings? Like, well, no, I'm going I'm to no, keep interrupting that would their, you. That yeah. would be their Lord of the Rings line, That's which that they also have. Sense, yeah. um, so Lego Elves <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, were basically like, if you if you know the look of Lego Friends, mm-hmm. um, just like you said, they're, they're pastels, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, the figures, the minifigs, mm-hmm. are different than the – that's the thing. There's no boy Lego, right? You just got to yeah. say, like, the regular Legos, which mm-hmm. is really pejorative mm-hmm. um, to, to, the, to, the, to the girl Lego. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the Lego Friends figures or minifigs are longer, they're taller, they're more slender. And the Lego Elves were in that style, except they were meant to, uh, to be Elves. Uh, and uh, so they. Wait, what is, wait. I'm still. I'm kind of following. I follow the concept. So, 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 so there's so there's girls in the Lego Friends. Correct. Are there boys in the Lego Friends? Yes. Okay. So girls and boys exist in Lego Friends. Yes. Also elves. Yes. So these are the non-binary people. Well, so that would be kind of cool. Actually, I, I would take it. Um, okay. <laughs> there hasn't been any official copy mm-hmm. on that, but mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, I mean, maybe they shouldn't be the non-binary no, because I mean, it flopped. We, like, yeah. I, <laughs> if it's gonna be non-binary, I, I was gonna say it's because non-binary people are sick of being portrayed as non-human. Well, that's that's but, for sure. That's yeah, for sure. Although, yeah, like, no, I think that is true for non-binary people as a whole. <laughs> this particular non-binary people is like, bring on the robots and the aliens, the elves, and I will be all of them. But I also totally get why that is problematic. Yeah. So I apologize like, for that, um, for, for that outburst. I will contain myself. Um, the, so the, the Lego elves were like, you could build a, a dragon and it would be a pastel dragon. Uh, and most of it was dragon related. Dragon. And I thought uh, there were elves. I'm sorry. Well, so there I'm are so elves. Sorry. I'm sorry. The, the, the mini things are elves. Okay. And then the dragons are the things that you build. Call uh, them Lego dragons. That's, that would be, yeah. Okay. That sounds good to me. <laughs> I'm getting way more work done about Lego <laughs> than I thought I would. <laughs> um, so I, I, there is a part of me that, that does wonder because, mm. because Lego Friends is such a girls marketed um, mm. toy line the boxes are pink uh it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's it's clearly got way more female characters um in it um if lego elves wasn't a way of saying like look if you're a little boy you know this is the thing that kind of looks like that but it can be for you um mm. i i don't know like i yeah. it's it's a weird mm-hmm. product messaging space mm. um and unfortunately it just didn't work out so. no mm-hmm. no um and, and so I'll be interested to see the future of that. Um, mm. it, it honestly, for me, like I don't think it looks good. Mm. Uh, Lego is a highly successful toy company, mm-hmm. and very little of that success um, really comes from things like Lego Friends and, and mm. from gender segregating at all. I mean, look at the the Lego movie and Lego movies, mm-hmm. right? None of them really feature that specifically. They do work it in, but yeah, like what, what is you, it? Uh, uh, yeah. Unikitty? Yeah. Or, yeah, so yeah. there's there's mm-hmm. Unikitty, and then mm-hmm. I think in Lego Movie 2, there is uh, a minifig in that who's supposed to be um, one of the, the like, Friends-style mm. figures. Um, but it's not, it's not a huge part of their narrative as a company. So uh, Lego, I would say, 
as a whole, totally, um, totally a wonderful sort of gift to talk about in this sort of mm. transgender, uh, non-binary buying guide that we have. Um, mm. But yeah, it kind of comes with this added caveat now of, yeah, Lego friends are a thing and I don't really know what to do with them, yeah. honestly. Um, I, I, you know, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so are there any, like, is there anything else that we just haven't talked about that you really like, oh, we need to talk about this. I know that there are so much and we will definitely have you on to talk about more things. Yay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there, there is so much. I mean, it's, mm. it's the, cause the thing is, you know, to address sort of the, the title of the podcast, is it transphobic? Well, when it comes to toys, I mean, they're not transphobic and they're not necessarily not transphobic. I mean, they're, mm. they're kind of plastic, uh, things or diecast or whatever other uh, yeah. thing you, you want to use um, that are surrounded by the language that we put around them. And, uh, and so there's such an interesting space to talk about because, um, y- you know, you don't really picture toy executives as people sitting in big towers, twisting their mustaches going, ah, yes, I'm going to get back at all the transgender people today. <laughs> like they're not doing that. I mean, I do. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I think the thing is that many of them just don't know mm. and they just don't care. And, and we're getting to a place where, mm. you know, we've had to address toy makers for not making cis women characters. Mm. Um, so if they can't get that far in some cases, how are we going to then make the the additional mm. sort of bridge to talking about transgender and non-binary identities? Um, right. we, we can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think today's kids who are going to be our future toy makers are mm-hmm. going to be awesome with that. Um, but yep. where we're at now is, mm-hmm. is tough. And I think also as these kids who are a playing with toys and being uh, like you say, like the future toy engineers, the future toy creators, now that they are having more interactions with adults who are openly trans and non-binary and kids that they're growing up with who are trans and non-binary that who can live openly, it is going to create more of a market because I think part of it is, and you know, like it doesn't all come down to capitalism. That was one of the big things that I I was getting from what we were talking about, but the capitalistic aspect is there. And ultimately I don't want to say we need to show that trans and non-binary people are a market, but at the same time, that is the quickest and the easiest way to get to a lot of these people twirling their mustaches in their toy towers. (laughs) And and honestly too, let's get the allies to do it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you want something to do buy transgender toys, buy non-binary toys, give Mm -hmm. them to cisgender people, give them to Mm -hmm. your kids, use them in your, in your homes. Like to me, you know, allyship is, isn't really just like the Facebook post. It's, are you going to be, the presence in a capitalist market society that we need, which is to say, are you going to buy the stuff? Yeah. Like buy the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and cause I will happily buy all of the non-binary things that I can find, but I'm one person. Mm-hmm. Um, we need other people to also show and to call companies out and to, to prove that, um, there's not only, uh, sort of positive morality in these waters, but there's money in there too. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. 
So the other question that we usually ask on the podcast, in addition to is it transphobic, because I, I tend to agree with you, uh, just to give my answer really quick, I, I agree. I think like toys are what you how you make them, how you play with them. At the same time, there's a lot in them, and the toy aisle in general is starting to move away from that binary, and the more it does, the better, in my opinion. Um, but it's still there. But the other question that we ask is, is it enjoyable? So I guess I'm going to ask the vaguest question I've ever asked. Are toys enjoyable? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> toys are the greatest thing ever. Listen, I mean, if, if you know, people people sometimes say that, like, I, I, I hate toys because I, I talk about them through a critical lens sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and that is true. But I apply that because I love them. Mm-hmm. I love toys so much to me. Uh, they are one of the great joys of life because think of it um, reaching back centuries in many, many different cultures, right? Our conversation has been very specifically Western, but um, in many different cultures, we have figured out how to play. And the way we've done that is by creating little versions of ourselves and imagining us as these kinds of avatars living in fantasy worlds. Um, that's beautiful to me. I think that's a beautiful thing that human culture has done. Um, you know, some would say, ah, it's escapism, but I'd say, what's wrong with that? Like, that's, yeah. that's great. Watching television is escapism. I don't know what yeah. to tell you. Your, <laughs> yeah. ga- your, your beloved Game of Thrones, would you think that's real? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, yep. So, so I, 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 I have this conversation all the time with people and they're like, oh, you know, it's been a while since I've been into a toy store or down a toy aisle or, or what, or mm. bought a toy do it just yeah. go out and do it let yourself mm-hmm. feel that um it'll be so liberating mm-hmm. um it's it's yeah and i mean you you don't even i hate to say it, you don't even need to play with the toy sometimes it's just having it and i that you could and mm-hmm. i would even argue that that in and of itself is play mm-hmm. because there's no singular definition of, of play and, and i would say there are some toys that i have that are just on my wall and every time i look at those toys there's just that joy that sort of plays through my mind. And, and for me, that's enough sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Just however you want to ingest that media, do it. Yeah. Awesome. So how can people find you on the Internet if you want them to? So many ways. <laughs> um, so Facebook, uh, Jonathan Alexandrados. Instagram, where I post a ton of toy pictures. Uh, that is at toy underscore circus on instagram uh twitter uh at j alexan j a l e x a n uh and then of course through uh the podcast that i have my plastic life uh which is available anywhere you get your podcasts fantastic as for me uh you can find me on twitter at lucretia dear for l-u-c-r-e-t-i-a-d-e-a-r and then the number four uh, you can find me on Instagram at Ashley Rogers 83. You can find this podcast, the Is It Transphobic podcast, on Twitter at Is It Transphobic. Uh, and you can also uh, give to us on Patreon. Honestly, it's great. I am. I always feel terrible because I just honestly am bad at Patreon. But at the same time, uh, I really appreciate everyone who is on there and who has donated and has made it just slightly easier for me to be able to live and replace equipment whenever I need to. So thank you all so much. Uh, Know that I love you even if I don't talk to you. (laughs) Awesome. Uh, So thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.